the old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing, and you always need to be sticking your fingers. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. You simply apply a discreet, easy-to-use sensor on your body, and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger pricks. If you test your blood sugar at least four times per day and inject insulin at least three times per day or use an insulin pump and have private insurance or Medicare, you might be eligible for a CGM with little or no cost to you. Call U.S. Medical Supply today for a free benefits check. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill Medicare or your insurance directly. Call now and say goodbye to finger pricks. 800-826-5884. 800-826-5884. 800-826-5884. That's 800-826-5884. Ed Roberts with a reminder that the following segment originally aired in February 2014. Hi, this is John Binding. You're listening to TV Confidential. Well, let's hear it for him. Come on, come on out here. Ed Robertson along with Phil Grace remembering John, Paul, George, and Ringo and the Mersey Sound as part of the Sounds of Lost television. Phil Grice, of course, founder and owner of Archival Television Audio, ATVAudio.com. And uh, ordinarily, Phil, we would have commented on the Newman clip uh, in in our first segment, but because we were running up against the break, we'll carry that over to here. But you you were commenting on one of the most uh, notable things he said in that piece, which is part of the appeal or part of the mystique or allure of of, of the Beatles is that you you can hardly hear them. Right. And, and again, to reemphasize, this NBC uh, Huntley Brinkley um, news spot was the very first exclusive coverage of the Beatles on American television. Mm-hmm. And um, as we will note and hear with regard to the clips coming up, almost everyone panned the Beatles for one reason or another. They were not looked at as a long term musical group. They were a flash in the eyes and um, of, of many journalists and news broadcasters. And certainly Edwin Newman personifies that. And I'll quote, as Ed just mentioned, he said, one reason for the Beatles' popularity is that it may be impossible to hear them. But he's been ages. 50 you know? years ago. <laughs> 50 years ago. But uh, it's... And Newman also said, don't buy Apple, you know. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah well, but that's, that's part of the fun of, of listening to a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. Phil, because... Because it's a reminder that uh, attitudes change, cultures change, and you know people could be wrong about stuff. You know, once in a while. I think more times than not, people are wrong. Yeah, but the the, the other thing is, not only did the Beatles prove to be very popular uh, in in the U.S., but they led to they were the forerunner of the British invasion on American music, and to uh, in, in a lot of respects on American television because. Especially in 64, 65, there was a sense American programmers wanted anything British. And so that's when we started seeing imports of uh, some of the shows that originally aired on the BBC, such as uh, The Avengers, such as Secret Agent, with the, or Danger Man, as it was known, with Patrick McGowan, and, and, and shows like The Saint. Well, they opened up doors almost immediately to um, The Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. Dave Clark Five, and also, for the record, the Beatles were heard on the Dick Clark show before this news clip, but only a still photograph was shown by Clark. 
So what really makes this notable, we see footage of yeah. the Beatles for the first time. Okay, so that was the first footage of the Beatles in American television was on Huntley Brinkley on November 1863. Three days later, there was another uh, news report on the on the Beatles, this time on CBS. CBS Evening News and uh, Alexander Kendrick opens up with uh, a report on the Beatles as well. And CBS News was out in London, just like NBC, but they were on three days later. Yeah, 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 those are the Beatles, those are, and this is Beatleland, formerly known as Britain, where an epidemic called Beatlemania has seized the teenage population, especially female. Some of the girls can write, and they belong to the Beatle fan club. The Beatles sound like insect life, but it's spelled B-E-A-T, beat. And these four boys from Liverpool, with their dishmop hairstyles, are Britain's latest musical and, in fact, sociological phenomenon. They have introduced what their press agents call the Mersey sound, after the River Mersey on which Liverpool stands. And though musicologists say it is no different than any other rock and roll, except maybe louder, it has carried the Beatles to the top of the heap. In fact, they have met royalty, and royalty is appreciative and impressed. Wherever the Beatles go, they are pursued by hordes of screaming, swinging juveniles. They and their press agents have to think up all sorts of ways to evade their adoring fans. Thousands of teenagers in every city and town stand in line all night to get tickets for their touring show. Girls faint when the tickets run out. Reporter Josh Darsa talked to the Beatles in their dressing room. What has occurred to you as to why you've succeeded? Uh, I don't know, really. You know, as you say, the haircuts. We didn't think they were a gimmick, but everyone else said, Oh, what a gimmick. What is the mercy sound? How does it differ from other rock and roll and pop? Uh, it doesn't really. It, it just happened that all of a sudden uh, hundreds of rock groups all from Liverpool made records and it was a bit more like the original rock and roll than the stuff they've had over the last few months. Hi. Hi. So people decided suddenly, you know, there's all these Liverpool groups, so they call it the Liverpool sound and the Mersey beat and everything else. And the Nicky Cough all thing. Yeah, but it's yeah. just, yeah, it's just a way of classifying it, but I don't think the music's very different. Do you have any fears that your public eventually will get tired of you and move on to a new favourite? They probably will, but, you know... You ever think about it? Depends that? how long it takes for them to get tired. Yeah. Don't it? it it's, it's stupid to worry about things like that. Cause, I mean, it could, it's not worth missing your sleep for, is it? No, by all means. No. It could happen tomorrow and it could, you know, we could have quite a run. This is really We just hope we are going to have quite a run. The Beatles, who started their act at the waterfront pubs of Liverpool, are now clicking off $5,000 a week in one-night stands. They have sold two and a half million records. They lead the hit parade. They get the biggest fan mail on record. They have inspired the sheepdog hairdo. They are also credited with having saved the sagging British corduroy industry. 
And besides being merely the latest objects of adolescent adulation and culturally the modern manifestation of compulsive tribal singing and dancing, the Beatles are said by sociologists to have a deeper meaning. Some say they are the authentic voice of the proletariat. Some say they are the authentic heart of Britain in revolt against the American cult of pop singers represented by Elvis Presley and the long line of his British imitators. Some say the Beatles represent authentic British youth, or British youth as it would like to be, self-confident, natural, direct, decent, vital, throbbing. The Beatles themselves seem to have no illusions. They symbolize the 20th century non-hero as they make non-music, wear non-haircuts, give non-mercy. And meanwhile, yeah, 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 the fan mail keeps rolling in, and so does the money. This is Alexander Kendrick in Beatleland. Alexander Kendrick giving a non-report on the non-music of, of the Beatles. Uh, uh, the originally aired November 21st, 1963 on the CBS Evening News, audio courtesy of our friend Phil Grice, ATVAudio.com. Again, very interesting, Phil. This is um, the word that just pops into my head. It's, it's authentic because it is, at one point, they were interviewed in their, in their dressing room, either just before or just after they took the stage. And this is, even, even already experts were trying to make sense and, you know, extract meaning from it, whereas, you know, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, they're in the moment. They're just figuring, okay, we're just, we're, we're just doing our thing. While both CBS and NBC did show footage from the Winter Gardens Theater in Bournemouth, what makes this production so uh, unique was that there was an interview mm -hmm. with the Beatles in their dressing room, which NBC did not do. So yeah. even though CBS is uh, three days later, John Dossett, the reporter who interviews the Beatles, that was extremely uh, refreshing because we're hearing from them off stage and getting a little bit of their feedback. I love when Paul says he was asked, um, do you think audiences will be will tire of you soon? I mean, they just began. No. Nope. And, <laughs> and then Paul says, you know, uh, you know that that's that's stupid to worry about yeah. that. Yeah. So right. And and as we know, it's fifty years later, yeah. and uh, they they certainly are iconic and legendary. Now let's go back to something. I think you said this in our first segment. Okay, this. Uh, the CBS clip that we just heard aired November 23rd, 63. Was it in October that Sullivan happened to see them perform, or was it earlier in 63? In 1963, uh, October 31st, okay. that is when Ed Sullivan signed them and saw them at Heathrow Airport. So it's prior to these November broadcasts. So he just happened to see them at the airport. Yeah, he, it was fortuitous. He, okay, so was, he, he didn't wonderful. see them perform, but he knew, he knew right, where they were. And, right, uh, and they were getting some play in America, yeah. but it was going nowhere. Uh, they were huge in, in England, but uh, not anywhere near that success in America up until the point where they started getting this press coverage, and certainly once they went on the Sullivan Show, you know, history has changed. Okay, so uh, Sullivan spots the Beatles at Heathrow Airport in London, uh, October 31st, 64, makes the deal. 63. 63, makes the deal. Let's fast forward to February 7th, 
64, the Friday before their appearance on the Sullivan Show. Uh, we're going to listen to Mike Wallace cover the arrival of the Beatles at John F. Kennedy Airport. CBS Morning News, the day the Beatles arrive at JFK Airport. Mike Wallace reporting on the CBS Morning News, uh, Friday, February 7th, 1964, two days before the Beatles' historic appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show, audio courtesy of Phil Grice, ATVAudio.com. What was, what was very striking for me, Phil, is just listening to uh, the rapport during the, uh, the impromptu press conference and just... Uh, listening to them play with the reporters, it reminded me of a lot of the dialogue in the feel of Hard Day's Night, where they're just having fun. <laughs> and, and you don't know what's scripted and what's not, but it's just fun. You know, they were really having a good time. Yeah. They were not taking all of this very seriously. And they were constantly being uh, uh, harassed in quotes about their haircuts. I mean, everything was about the Beatle mop and the Beatle haircut. I love when, at the end of that piece, Mike Wallace says... Uh, quote, I, I think the world has gone mad. But only these elders were thinking that. Right. As we heard, these fans, they, they, were, they were in heaven. Right. It goes back to what we said uh, a little bit earlier vis-a-vis uh, -vis Edwin Newman. That's clear evidence of the generational split. Major. Absolutely. Phil Grice, founder and owner of Archival Television Audio, the largest vintage TV soundtrack archive in the world, featuring more than 15,000 hours of audio from thousands of original television programs, television specials, and original television newscasts from the 50s, 60s, early 1970s, the golden age of television. ATVAudio.com. We'll be back with more TV Confidential right after this. If you haven't been listening to TV Confidential, this is who you're missing. Don Wells. Eric Braden. Jansen Williams. Troy Finnis. Peter Borshaw. Lindsay Wagner. Loretta Sweat. Ben Asner. Uh, lovely 
and chatting interview. So all the conversation. It wasn't an interview. Well, thank you. That's that's what I try to do. That's what I I try to make this a conversation. You made it. That's TV Confidential every week on this station and every day online at televisionconfidential.com. Hi, this is Linda Pearl, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Roberts with a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will premiere next week on the station at the usual time. If all goes well, we will welcome back our friend Allison Arngrim, plus we'll welcome Emmy-nominated writer-producer Billy Van Zandt. We hope you join us for that. In the meantime, a reminder that Stars in Their Underwear by Diana Eaton, available in paperback and as an ebook through Amazon.com and other online retailers. Diana's website, DianaEdenDesigns.com, DianaEdenDesigns.com. You can also follow Diana Eden on Twitter and on Instagram. Also a reminder that you can listen to Cousin Brucey's Saturday Night Rock and Roll Party every Saturday night beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on WABCRadio.com and around the world on the WABC app and other streaming platforms. You can follow Cousin Brucey on Facebook. That'll do it for our program this week. Folks, Ed Robertson, Baffa, Tony Figueroa, and Donna Allen, Phil Grace, and Greg Airbar. thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we will talk to you next time on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.